0: Yeah, you cut out after Bacardi from Costco. I'm wondering if it's your headphones or if it's uh, huh. just one of our connections. Let me be a I peasant. I uh, you. Can you hear me now? Hello? Yeah. Is, is it better? Yeah, I mean, uh, the headphones sounded slightly clearer, but um, but I can hear you now. You're not cutting out so far so good. Hmm, interesting. You think your headphones might be dying? Or you think they're just kind of crappy headphones? <sighs> uh
1: I don't know. I, yeah. They're they're analog. I mean, not analog. They're the you know they're the you know the male the like, males. You you plug it in in a jack. You know? <laughs> it's a male. Yeah. You plug it in. It's got a it's got a member. You stick it in the, the phones with JJ, then it works. <laughs> oh, my. oh my god. Those tend to be more reliable, but I don't know. They start to go a little bit, and I. I did bend uh, his wee-wee a little bit. (laughs) But I've been living like this for for months, so I don't know. Mm, Hopefully I drop my calls
0: with clients.
1: Are you hearing me now fine? Through this? Yeah. Okay. Must be be the fucking headphones then. That's disappointing. Um, (laughs) I'm due for a new iPhone. I'm so due. I've been holding out. (laughs) I've been propping my phone up against my baseboard with my typewriter. I have like a travel heavy ass block square typewriter <laughs> and I, char- I charge it my phone with the, the, the fire wire or whatever the hell that thing is and I brace it in between my my uh, baseboard and my wall and in, in that in that typewriter to keep the charge and it holds it solidly and I've been doing that for months and I'm like fuck I got a new phone I got to get a new phone my home button that I use often to, to lock my phone not the home button, the lock button on the top. That that wasn't working for a time. Now suddenly, the, the lock button's working again, <laughs> holding its charge on its own. After months of, of dealing with this shit, it's back to being cool again. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely due for uh, a new phone. I was thinking about getting one of those 12s. I like the mini 12. That's why. Hold out. I got the SE. My phone's ancient. It's an SE. I don't know if you know what that is. It's essentially a 5S body with, I think, 6S guts. 6S or 7S guts? 6S guts, I'm almost sure. So, uh, Hmm.
0: ancient. Ancient shit. But, uh, I'm I'm too. I'm I'm, I'm so behind on phones. I had the... um... I think I have I think I have an eight right now. I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure it's an eight because I think I had the seven. It was great. I had I had no problems with it. And then uh year before last, when I was still doing Wildland Fire, a guy I worked with, he's like, "Yeah, my sorry, I never got got a hold of you this weekend. My phone went out on me." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, it's a problem with the sevens. So you're probably gonna have it too." And I was like, "Well, dude, hopefully that was just a problem, yet, bad luck or something." You
1: know, there's a there's a and, theory that they they intentionally make them defective after a certain amount of years so you can go out and buy another model you know a newer model but uh, my trick is just to not i stop doing updates the software updates the iOS is after 2 years just don't touch them unless they absolutely need to i just don't fuck around with that and uh, i end up holding my phones for a long time so that's that's one I think- one idea it's worked out pretty well for me so far but uh No, I I, I just uh... (sighs) – it it gives me anxiety getting a new phone, not because necessarily the cost or even – it's like the process of of all the – your whole life is in your phone, right? You got photographs and more importantly, like text messages. This is the OCD in me, right? I got these text messages where I cherish. They're saved in my phone. Ooh, with a lady or something, and I – you know, I, just want, I don't want to. I don't want to see it go or whatever. And uh, I'm a romantic, but uh, yeah, you know. It, it, so when when you move to the next phone, it's like all that's gone. You're moving on to a new, to a new, uh, to a new world, to a new life, and that old life's over. And I know with the cloud and everything, but I just don't trust the cloud fully. I don't think it transitions everything. I don't know. I'm not a tech savvy guy either, so I am also talking out of my ass. But uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not that savvy savvy either. So I know um I know when I got this phone that it it actually most of my stuff from my last phone transferred to my cloud, which I was pretty impressed with because I thought I was like, Oh, that stuff's all gone. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but no, it transferred all my contacts, all my messages, like old photos, stuff like that, which in a way kind of got me in trouble because I was in a in a relationship and some old photos Ooh. that I wouldn't want to be there. Dude. Maybe popped up. Johnny. Nice. So one minute you're looking for a picture of your next truck. Minute, and you're seeing a picture your of your fiance. You're and then, yeah. and next you're looking at it. Those aren't my <laughs> boobs. I, I don't know how they got there.
1: <laughs> what if they were your boobs and you were jerking off to them all this time? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's stupid.
0: Anyway, so. This pod- uh, this podcast is never uh Did you want to start over this... on the
1: podcast? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: I'm gonna call it the Titan. I'm gonna call it the Titan. Yeah. It's about to sink. <laughs> Ruining our reputations
1: instantly. <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, we set some boundaries for this thing. Future, future. Do we not want to talk about certain things? Are there, uh, you know, topics that are out of out of bounds? We'll say.
0: That's kind of up to you, man. Because, yeah, if you want me to get into what you do and where you're at and stuff like that, I don't want to potentially ruin your reputation, but I'm also not Joe Rogan. Yeah, so I'm not. Gonna have yeah, a bunch I'm not of people yeah, I'm in not. You know, you're not Joe Rogan. So I'm like, yeah, fuck. I don't really care. You know,
1: who's who's going to listen to this podcast? I think lots of people are going to listen to your podcast, Johnny, just not my episode particularly. You know, so I'm not worried about it. Um,
0: so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't care. We can talk about whatever you want to it, talk about. It- Anything. And today's today's day and age, I mean, we're all we're all yeah. Thank you. Our own way yes, I, I, I think it's just do you mean well? You know what I mean? And I don't, you know, obviously we don't support like child slavery or anything fucked up like that. But uh, no, I think I think I think you'll be all right. I think even the questions that I can come out of my deep dark mind and your deep dark mind uh, should be fine. Yeah. I don't know, should fly. Yeah, like you know, I'm kind of diddling myself
1: to the idea of cracking open my umidor and taking out a stogie
0: going out in the front porch and kind of doing it like that I don't know yeah pretty nice weather there and in, and uh, in, uh, yeah
1: you know how Monty is it's like uh, temperate it's, we never changes here so
0: ah, you know it's yeah.
1: Monterey's always been the Monterey Peninsula has always been too cold for me you know my 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 climate I've always said for years it's Miami that's that's where I you know that's definitely my type of town and a city and uh, uh just love that climate i love humidity keeps you young humidity all that moisture in the air doesn't dry <laughs> out your face go back for a second i was up i was up Dude. in idaho right just you know for thanksgiving my family up there and yeah you know, i was like in it, two hours away from you right you're in missoula yeah yeah two hours yeah. away from you at that one point at, the, at the, the the deer hunting elk 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 hunting camp and uh and let me tell you, Greggy don't dig on the cold. Okay. I don't like it. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I was looking in the mirror and it's like my, my creases on my face were deeper than ever. I was like, I don't know if it was my dad, like, like causing me to do all these crazy facial expressions from his behavior. Or if it was, you know, if it was just how air, the air was so cold and, and uh, dry, you know, it sucks everything out of you. And I gotta say it's uh, you go down to Miami or, or any of these tropical areas, uh, just relax, man. Just relax. And yeah, I no, I fountain of youth. My personal fountain of youth. I tell this because people are impressed with my how, how young I look for my age, and uh, I just tell them all you need to do is stay out of the sun. So be nocturnal like me. That's that's when I play. When the sun goes down, I'm like a vampire in a lot of ways, but, uh, you know, uh, try not to smile. Cause that, that causes you to wrinkle your face, uh, uh zero anxiety, low, low, anxiety. that's huge. Get all your sleep, do as your body tells you when it comes to sleep, don't fight it. And, um, and of course I moisturize, I moisturize my, my face and, uh, my Try to do the neck. If you notice what happens to men and their necks when they get older, have you noticed it? It's different from women. We get like a, like the, a chicken the, skin. You notice that?
0: Underneath or on the back.
1: Just underneath your jawline, especially the front of your nape. You get you get the chicken skin. So you ever notice that? It's all goose pimply. You ever notice that?
0: Uh, and I'm
1: starting to get that no. a little bit.
0: I'm like, fuck, it'll be my dead giveaway. My dad has it bad, you know? I notice I'm getting the the round face, the older that I get. And when I when I look back on old pictures, I remember always having the hardest time gaining weight and just wanting to gain weight more than anything. And now I'm like, I go like a week without working out. I'm like, I got a fat face, dude. I oh, you carry it in your face.
1: face. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vincent carries it in his face. People do that just happens. People I think my brother Matthew carries the weight in his face first then it then it goes to his belly, you know. And then his ass. And it's already big enough, you know. <laughs> it's already massive. And uh and uh, uh but <clears throat> you know, that, that's an argument, you know, the anti-inflammatories. Dude, I smoke and drink like a fish. I'm doing pretty great. Okay? And, uh, yeah, except, uh, I, I shouldn't have said smoke and drink. Like if I drink like a fish, I smoke like a, like, cause fish don't smoke. None that I know of <laughs> speaking of smoking. Oh shit. Should I do a torpedo? Should I do Corona? What are you thinking for my
0: yeah.
1: Ooh, yeah. Um, what all do you got? Ah, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. I think I will do one of these Coronas. Two eleven is the Oh, Carreras. There's an S at the end. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, back to your. Uh, back to the cold weather. I noticed the same thing moving from Southern California to Montana. My hands have never been so dry to the point where they crack, and I've never had to put on lotion or anything like that. Really, in my life, unless I've been sunburned mm-hmm. or something. Uh but yeah, I gotta put on all kinds of lotion. Then even just like walking around the house in the winter, I get static electricity shocked. It's like son of a bitch, dude. It's kind of it's I, I wonder sometimes if it is a climate that I want to live in long term, because I think like you, I kind of uh I kind of I like I like the snow as a retreat in the cold weather uh-huh. and I like the you know, the great outdoors and all that stuff. Sure. But I I think I prefer more of a tropical climate myself. I'd rather be sweating like a pervert than uh Freezing my ass off outside. You'll lose your balls. Else. Literally, they'll fall off.
1: It's a good time out there in that cold. <laughs> That's what I realized. This is ridiculous. And, uh,
0: lose your balls. Yeah.
1: No, totally. I'd rather be sweating than than I don't, hypothermia. I guess the the argument you get heat stroke. It's like whatever. Fuck off. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Got a little punched.
0: What's that? What's that banging in the
1: background? That is my of you over here hey, oh
0: is that, thing, is that thing all right
1: it, it's been struggling for for a long time it's a it always does that it bangs bang bang you know every now and then <laughs>
0: bang, bang. you know sounds like a dryer yeah no, that's a good that's a good uh
1: analogy or a good i don't know what you call simile i don't know what you call that but yeah that's 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 what it sounds like it sounds like a dryer you know banging the clothes from inside, rain right? but that's not what's happening. It's, it's just a, a furnace. Uh-huh. I don't know why it bangs, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe there's something to do with the, the heat expanding the metal. I don't know, but it does it, it does it every single time, and it's pretty constant. Huh. You know,
0: huh. yeah. might be worth uh getting that. We at have,
1: you, we or, have, uh, and you know, it's up to the landlord whether or not they want to replace it. And they don't because it works and it's functioning. It wasn't working because it wasn't responding to a thermostat for a long time. It's very off and on. Uh, uh, This is a stupid
0: conversation. We're moving on. Okay. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Back to, uh, I was going to ask you, you said you were grimacing and your, your face is wrinkling from your, uh, from your dad, the way he's acting. What are you, you want to get into that? Or is that something you kind of want to? My dad's just, uh,
1: (laughs) my dad's a character in himself, you know? where do you think I get it from? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, so he's just, you know, I lived with them. Uh, it was me, him and we had a bachelor pad, me, him and his brother, Eric, uncle Eric. And, uh, it was a good time. Actually. I I looked at, at that little bachelor pad situation we had fondly, but, um, you know, I, we just rub each other the wrong or I at least rub. He rubs me the wrong way. At least I can say that. And uh, um, so he, he just kind of kind of does ridiculous shit or says ridiculous things. And and I just don't uh, I don't put up with it. You know, I just kind of call him out in his bullshit. I tease him. I drag him and it's just kind of a relationship. And yeah, uh, So he brings a different Gregory out for sure and uh mm. i don't like that gregory to be honest that much <sighs> but uh yeah at the same point i do i love the guy he's my dad and uh uh it is what it is you know so mm-hmm. i like i enjoyed my time spending with him and everything and, and it's good to see him and and uh you know you know, you know how it is sons and fathers some have good Situations, some don't, and Fuck. it's uh, <clears throat> what I've learned is life's too short to hold grudges uh, with your family. You know, it's not worth it. And so, um, in the end, you become an adult. You're responsible for your own life, and any other any other excuse is chicken shit in my mind. And that's just it. Even if it isn't chicken shit, quite frankly, it's not serving you personally any better to advance yourself and to make you a better version of yourself the very next day. You have to take personal responsibility at some point. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Stoics, you know, ancient Rome and all that shit. But yeah, as you can tell, maybe.
0: Yeah. And I. I think it's a good point man knowing about I obviously didn't know your dad super well besides a few times that that I'd come over to hang out. I know he can cook like a mo. Oh, he does do that. Seems like a he does do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And seems like a seems like a pretty smart guy and again again I don't want to I don't want to bring up your your personal family matters cuz it's not like it's not my business but just from from what you have told me I, I could see uh certain patterns that he might have been in that that i've had family members in and i myself have been in where you're kind of like stuck in that uh stuck in that looper cycle of like well if i just did this or if i could <laughs> if i it's it's this person's fault why i can't do that and it's, it's just gets you in a bad cycle but i'm gonna leave that up to you to talk about if you want yeah so i just lighting my stogie here It's nice. no worries
1: no i think you're you know i think it's it's simple it's just it's never simple. It's family. It's complicated. But um, yeah, there's there's this uh, the first line, and uh, I was actually reading it um, on my flight back from Idaho Saturday. Anna Karenina, novel by Leo Tolstoy, and the first line of that book is something to the effect of: "All happy families are the same, but all unhappy families are different in their own way." If that makes sense, something like that. And uh, that's the one thing about Tolstoy is he. I can get into like, ah, I, this is such a, a, a divergence from what I was getting at if I get into Tolstoy and everything. But um, the point is, is that, um, <clears throat> you know, it, I I look back at my childhood, and as I was growing up, I thought it was a fine childhood. I was, oh, you know, nice, middle-class family, whatever, and uh, happy-go-lucky kid. And I was a happy-go-lucky kid for the most part, you know? Yeah. If you asked me if I was abused, I'd say, of course not. I was never sexually abused. I was never uh, sexually abused. But (sighs) I was certainly physically abused. And I was looking back at it as an adult. I was certainly physically abused heavily. I was emotionally abused, verbally abused. And my sister, really? oh, fuck yeah. And I think that's kind of the, it, not just by my parents. Like my mom, uh, my mom's not an abusive person. So not really my mom, but my dad is, is again, he's quite a ridiculous character. And uh, uh, in so many ways. And he's oblivious to his own effect uh, on his environment, I think. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like an ogre uh, trampling through a forest, breaking every twig and and branch in his way without any regard for anything. You know, destroying the homes of the squirrels and such, you know, or whatever, right? That's kind of a, Mm a fantastical analogy i know but um it's kind of the thing he just has no no regard for anybody else but himself and uh uh, that's just the reality of him And you just kind of get used to that about him and you just appreciate him for who he is and Mm -hmm. uh, understand that once you understand that about him you you can kind of let things go and just say yeah don't take things personally just don't you know but yeah Mm -hmm. i you know i was also i grew up with uh, two older brothers and um, four years, six years older than me. One's four years, the other one's six years. And yeah, they used to beat the fuck out of me all the time. Are you kidding me? You know?
0: <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. Funny. No, it is funny. There though. are times it's funny.
1: I just have like I have this. I, I thought you know they uh, they used to say terrible shit to me. That was their thing. They just bullied. They just bullied me. <laughs> that was their favorite pastime at home. Used to fuck with me. And uh, uh, I thought, you know, uh, faggot was my name, you know. And growing up, it was just there. They'd call me gaygree, things like that, you know. And uh, I actually do remember uh, my my mom saying, "Yeah, he is gay, gay as, and he is happy." You know, that's he used to call me gay all the fucking time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember my. Uh, I was playing Madden football uh, with Trenton. He's six years older than me. And, uh, and uh, I was I was getting the better of him in the video game. And I must have been about 11. He was 17 or something, somewhere around there. And I distinctly remember him calling me a dick. And I was like, whoa, I'm a dick? You know, like, I didn't know what it meant at the time. You know? And uh, uh, a dick and then a homo, things like that. And, uh, um... It's just kind of the, when you're the youngest of your, of your generation, and I was for my, uh, even if you could count all my cousins, I'm the youngest of my generation, but especially in my household, um, I didn't get the Sesame Street phase. I didn't get to watch that shit. That wasn't in my, my, uh, my, uh, uh, daily docket when I was fucking three years old. You know, we had already moved on to Looney Tunes. You know and uh, um when i should have been watching looney tunes i was already watching mtv you know
0: so that's what's wrong with you no, i'm just
1: kidding <sighs> one of the many, right <laughs> and uh <laughs>
0: <No>.
1: <laughs> yeah so i think about that and i and, uh, and you say wow i was exposed to a lot of things and uh, uh at a young age and um but I also matured physically faster than them. Like I, my brother talks about it. My, Matt, who's four years older than me, he was just bringing it up. Like he, he remembered that I had armpit hair before he did. And I started getting armpit hair when I was about 12. So I'm in him about 16. You know, I also started growing hair in my nipples when I was 12. You know, I started getting
0: pubes at 10 years old, you know, <laughs> surprised you remember that but i i don't remember
1: i remember because it was like what the fuck is this and uh and i I just noticed it starting to grow and i and i remember a moment where i was like ma i'm starting to grow hair here and she's like no you're not and she wanted to see and then she's like no you're not i'm like yeah i fucking yeah you know and uh, so i remember being about 10 when that happened but yeah, the 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 armpit hair—that's a big moment in a, in a young man's life. That's like a defining. That's the that's a that's a, a big step towards manhood, right? Do you remember that your first uh, when you first started growing armpit hair?
0: Yeah, I want to say I was probably must have been like between eleven and thirteen, and I I don't remember exactly, but I remember it was one of those things. You're kind of excited for it. You're almost like a. It's like a rite of passage, yeah. Kind of, or exactly. I don't know, It's just a weird. Weird guy thing or young boy thing? You're like, well, why do they have that and I don't yet? So yeah, exactly. You know, it's... same thing. Growing, a, growing a beard when you're in high school, you know, I was always like, but Greg's got a beard. I can't, I can't grow a beard. <laughs> I had a beard in high school. <laughs> I, I think so, or I think I think you you did, kind I of tried to. Something. I, I I, I to. I didn't. You, I want to. I want
1: to I, I had this like chin strap thing with a mustache unattached, and uh, <laughs> I remember Lance Thompson. I shouldn't have said his name, but whatever. I remember. <laughs> looking at me maybe it wasn't him but somebody and maybe it was somebody on the football team maybe it wasn't him he used to be on the football team but not when i had this and and he was like he nudged me He was like yeah i'm feeling it man you feeling it yeah i'm feeling it he's for when you're young and you have somebody of your peers that is able to grow facial hair it's i don't know what it is it's like a it's like a further legitimacy of of your group towards becoming adults maybe that's why we like it, it it's i don't know and but no, I it was dog shit, and my ear you wear you grow a way better beard today. I've seen it. you grow a way better beard than I do today as a as a fucking man you know I have a beard currently, and it's I definitely have the best beard of my family, but that isn't saying much because nobody in my family can grow a fucking beard worth 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 half their ass other than my uncle John, and he's not a Shermer. he's my mom's side mm. 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 Ooh, good. <laughs> smoking a
0: stove and drinking some <sighs> tail of a cock yeah I ended up doing a uh, mm. Moscow mule myself I don't know why that sounded good today but I was like you know what sounds good a Moscow mule
1: this is ginger ale and vodka and uh, lime
0: and you put lime in it oh, yeah.
1: Okay. yeah I don't uh, I try to avoid sugar in uh, anything really but especially alcohol stuff now why it's, is that it makes you sick Um, you know, you know, my favorite cocktail in the world is, right? You know what it is? Yeah, it's
0: the, uh, Gibson.
1: The Gibson, correct. And for those who are listening, a Gibson is just, (laughs) a Gibson is, is just gin. It's a martini, except of using, except using, uh, uh, olives, you use a a pearl onion, a cocktail pearl onion, it's pickled pearl onion, and, uh, uh. <clears throat> but it's pure gin, essentially. Very, I use very trace small amounts. Driver, And it's like
0: drinking a what? Uh,
1: just to make it official. It's like drinking. It's like <laughs> sipping on a cloud. That's what it should be like. It should be like sipping on a cloud. And I, I prefer Tanqueray hmm. as my gin. But uh, um, there's multiple reasons why I came <clears throat> to, to Gibson as my favorite cocktail hmm. in the world. Some might not even call it a cocktail because it's only got three ingredients if you count the garnish. And that second ingredient, vermouth, is hardly even used. It's just gin. But, uh, um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm for formalities. Yeah. But.
0: Uh, yeah, the vermouth is pretty much uh, introduced? soaked up in the, the vermouth. Huh? You use so little, it's kind of soaked up into the ice, if I remember right
1: well that's the kind of yes yeah, how i do it i put in the shaker tin all the ice in the shaker tin i, I drizzle i mean you're talking very small amount it actually pisses me off to taste of the driver <laughs> so i don't even want to fucking risk it you know but i do it just ceremoniously because you have yeah. to you know i do have a line for barters i say you know uh, uh i want an extra extra dry uh gibson you know uh And uh, or I so kind of get an extra dry Gibson, and I want there, and I might emphasize just to make sure they don't put uh, um, vermouth in it. And that's the thing; that's the beauty of this cocktail. So most bartenders—I'm digressing here, I know—but I'll come back around. Most bartenders, if you ask them how they judge other bartenders, is they order a daiquiri and they see how they make it. A daiquiri is rum, lime juice, sugar, over ice, generally could be in a highball Tom Collins glass or a lowball. Um, but, uh, and they can get, I guess all kind of wonky and weird and different. And based on how they, uh, a bartender makes the daiquiri, other bartenders judge. Well, I judge, um, bartenders by the Gibson because it is the most simple drink you can make, but it is so fucking specific and particular on how you make it, you know? And, uh, um, so when i first came across uh, uh, gin it, i was 14 i snuck it from my daddy's liquor cabinet you know i had a swig of each one of his things so I, uh, uh, my first drop of whiskey was actually a McAllen 12 I, I know i know yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty amazing like that but not my choice it just was uh what was there for my dad uh I had a little taste of vodka, a little taste of something else. I don't remember. Uh, maybe it was a, um, a brandy or I don't know. Um, but Bombay Sapphire t- uh, gin was one of them. And I remember liking the Bombay Sapphire gin, especially over the vodka. But my favorite, of course, is the Macallan mm-hmm. 12 scotch. <clears throat> so that's my first foray with gin. And so I always – I didn't have that negative um, – Preconception about gin that so many people of, of certainly the older generation before us, like my brother's age, dude. My brother Matthew, for years, called it pine saw or like drinking a Christmas tree. And that's what they all say. You know, that's what everybody says. And gin fell out of favor with like generation Y or X, rather, sorry, X, generation X, uh, the people whose prime was in the 90s. And for some reason, uh, yeah they just they weren't into it? It went huh. all vodka. And uh, the the martini is originally gin. It's it's three measures gin, one measure uh, uh, extra dry vermouth, with an olive, two or three garnish, and you stir it. James Bond, the character, Ian Fleming is the writer. He invented the Vesper Martini, but before then. He made it famous to order a vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. And Ian Fleming is a personal hero of mine. Personally, he's a hero of mine. I fucking love that guy. He he was naval intelligence during World War II, and he decided he was going to retire, move down to Jamaica, and, you know, in the Caribbean, and live out his days. His He had a bachelor lifestyle, live out his days with one of his ladies writing spy novels where he smoked and drank and ate whatever the fuck he wanted, all he wanted died at the young or the right old age of 56.
0: That's a decent and, run. Uh, uh,
1: well, the doctor came to him and, and said, hey, uh, said, hey, uh, you got to stop the smoking. You got to stop the drinking. You got to stop the you got to change your diet and all these things. And he said, I'd rather live a short life of enjoyment than a long life of turmoil. Something to that effect. And uh, that's a my mother is, you always say that until the end, until the end.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Which very well I might think the be current true. situation we're in now is kind of a good example of that. Everybody's losing their minds over this virus that they might get and might get the, and I'm kind of afraid to even touch the subject, but they might get the extreme, extreme end of symptoms or they might get the milder end of symptoms, but either way, locking yourself up, hiding away in your house, I don't think is much of a way to live. And uh, th- there's some days, man, especially I've, Sorry, sorry. I cut Hello. out for a second. I, I was just gonna say, with the, the quarantine, maybe I've been quarantined for almost a full month now, and there, there's some days, dude, where if you, if I'm sitting there and I can pick on one card, long, uh, long life of sickness or uh, short life doing the things I want to do. I'd pick the short life doing the things I want to do, man. You know,
1: it comes down to the most basic question. You know, why are we here? What's the purpose? You know, I think the, to condense it most simply is uh, I think everyone can agree. I won't even try to get into purpose, but I will just say this. Everyone can agree. I don't care if you're an atheist or a theist. You know, um, everybody wants to be happy in life. Figure out a way to be happy. That's that's what it comes down to in a lot of ways. And uh, it's tricky. It's a tricky dick, let me tell you. But, uh, um, but I, I, living in misery is, is no way to live. That's mm-hmm. all I can say. It is no way to live. And, but you'd be surprised at an animal. the animal survival instinct within all of us to put up with what we got. But we only can. We can only do that if we maintain some semblance of hope for something better to come. You know, if we were told tomorrow that this is permanent for the rest of our lives, sorry, COVID's never going away. It's just gonna be coming in waves every, every winter, every summer or whatever it was doing. And we're gonna have to keep these, these quarantines and shutdowns and social distancing and masks forever. I think people tomorrow when hearing that would stop. Stop paying attention to all the rules. The vast majority of us, at least. we say, oh, fuck you guys then. Uh, if this is going to be forever, then fuck yeah. you. No, we're not doing this. I'd rather face the disease than, than live like this forever. You know, we're we're we're, um, uh, we're, we're what's it? We're, we're yarned uh, along with with the, the hope that this will be over soon. We got the vaccine, the light at the end of the tunnel, this and that. Okay, great. Cool. I hope so. You know, but in the end, you know, my, my cousin, he's, a, a anesthesi- he's not an anesthesiologist. He's a nurse's uh, uh, assistant. Ana- to an Is that a nurse
0: anesthetist?
1: Mm, maybe he's that. I don't know. It's beyond me. But he does really well. Let's just put it that way. And he was on the board for the hospital that he works at um, for COVID preparation. Um, And so he knows quite well about the disease. He knows what's going on. And uh, first of all, our numbers, our our fatality rates are highly inflated. But that's another discussion. Highly inflated. But uh, second. And he actually, on, on Thanksgiving, when I saw him, he saw his first COVID death, he said. And he says, it's not. He doesn't believe it's um, it's uh, uh, respiratory at all. I mean, it's, you catch it respiratorily, but it attacks you and kills you uh, cardiovascularly through Ooh. the heart. That's at least what he can. Uh, um, it's what he's seeing. You know, no. certain, I suppose. Uh but uh but he makes this point he goes everybody this thing is so Uh, contagious you got to get it out of your head that you're not gonna that you can prevent yourself from getting it everyone's going to get this disease eventually period it's going to wash its way through the entire society unless you are somebody wealthy enough that can live uh, in quarantine in perpetuity or at least until this thing really dies out and, it's, and we got the herd immunity pretty heavily, um, you will catch this, mm-hmm. you know? And so you just make your and, – and originally, we, we, that was a fact that we all knew and accepted when they came to us with the lockdowns back in March was, hey, you know, we have to shut down because if we don't, it'll wash itself through our society all at once. And if everybody in the country gets it all at the same time, it'll overcrowd our hospitals. If we quarantine and try to uh, mitigate that some, we can at least phase out our infections, the inevitable amount of infections that we get throughout the course of the year or two years or whatever. And that was the plan to prevent overcrowding in hospitals because if you get overcrowded hospitals, that's when you start to get the unnecessary deaths, Right. you know there are the necessary deaths from COVID, the people that you can't save if they catch it. And then there are those who, if they just got treatment, they would have survived. And we want those people to survive. Right. You know, but there's also something about time, how much we, how much more we know about the disease now versus what we did back in March. I mean, we have all sorts of therapeutics, you know, even, even, um, the, uh, the ventilators, that was a big thing, and back in March and April, we need more ventilators. We need fifty thousand ventilators in New York or wherever, and it ended up being a bad thing to do if you used it wrong. You're not supposed to put a severe patient a hundred percent of the day on a ventilator. You just taking away the strength of their lungs and and they eventually die from it apparently the best thing to do is is when the blood oxygen oxygen level runs low you, you feed them a little a little bit of that ventilator juice So then when it gets back up you take them off of it see if they sustain you know and you're supposed to be more diligent about it not just put them you know plug them in and, and set it and forget it and uh, uh so there's all sorts of things we learned how to treat better and and, and and again, therapeutics, and now we have a vaccine around the corner. So buying time is extremely valuable, and we did do that during this duration, during this this nine months or whatever—it's eight months or where we're at now. And so um, there's something that you said about that to applaud all of us that we I hope we did save a, a certain amount of lives. But then there's the flip side: what do these lockdowns cost uh, overall? In psychological health, um, suicide, uh, and of course, people's financial health. What about people's livelihoods? And um, that's a tough, that's a tough high wire act to balance. It just is. And uh, um, I do know that the WHO came out, the World Health Organization, back in like September or August, and they said publicly to the world, that the lockdowns were a mistake. We should never have done them. It cost more. It did more harm than it did good. I don't, a lot of people don't know that. I didn't. WHMCS. I, I said, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, here we are. We're doing lockdowns again. We're doing curfews and all this bullshit. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. When you shut down, we're a wealthy country. We can afford to give everybody a twelve hundred dollar check in the mail for you know to stay home and. and and ramp up the unemployment uh, checks and all that stuff. But other countries, they don't don't have that luxury. They're not that wealthy. So when their customers, i.e. us, because they're the ones supplying the materials to make the products that we purchase, when we stop purchasing them at any degree, and if it's in a massive degree, we shut down a half of our economy, uh, well, the rippling effect across the world is quite drastic, and a lot of people are, have been impoverished uh, to drastic degrees across the world. So if you're talking about a human, humanitarian effort, net-net, uh, uh, the shutdowns, that's why the WHO came out and said that net-net, it cost more lives shutting down than it did uh, um, not shutting down if we never did in the first place. Now, we save more American lives, perhaps. Yeah. You know, us rich, wealthy, privileged in our first world country, the wealthiest country in the world, you know. That's all everybody cares about, maybe. You know, you got this inner bubble thinking in this country. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. You know? know. But yeah, it's a lot of inner bubble thinking. That's how I call it. But anyway, moving on.
0: No, that's interesting. I didn't know the WHO came out and said that. Uh, I'm gonna just for curiosity's sake. Yeah, I'm yeah look, look more into that when you and I, yeah. when you and I are done chatting, or maybe I'll maybe I'll do that tomorrow. But um... yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was back in
1: September, or August. That's all I remember. I remember seeing it and, and it being a heavily, uh, just a heavily important title, news article yeah. title that I read, and and just kind of um, development, news development, I should say came out that nobody was talking about that wasn't on cnn or whatever the fuck you know mainstream media they didn't they didn't publish that they didn't talk about that you know they don't want that being known but anyway
0: sorry hey. about that i lost you right at the uh, we're just finished up talking about the who came out in September. Um, and you're talking about just you reading it yourself and I lost you. Fuck. I hope this
1: doesn't screw up our podcast as far as it getting cut off like this.
0: Uh no, I can go back and, and clip some of this stuff out and edit oh, it. Cool. <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. So that's good to know. Yeah, I can, uh, I, so can I can edit put as out as much as I want or need yes. to, which I don't I kinda like yes. to just let it fly. And you know? like if I like I say a bunch of dumb shit, especially that I've been tucked to my my house for uh, 24 days i sometimes i just like vomit out my mouth i can, I can see your eye twitching right now through my ears you know <laughs> <laughs> fucking having full-on conversations with the dogs dude and myself yeah shut up my damn knee, shut you're up. getting that ted ted kaczynski going on in your cabin writing a manifesto yeah american consumerism shit. american consumerism i can't stand it anymore Ma-
1: american exuberance. Exuberance, exuberance. i try to come up with
0: exuberance and consumer. Exuberance, exuberance. Oh, I can't do it. Yeah, probably shouldn't talk about uh, Ted Kaczynski on any platform that I don't want some Alphabet Soup agency listening to later on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, how about them? You know, they're after
0: they're out to get us, aren't they? Although the more I see the government in action and having worked with different government agencies and being in the military. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? They're very inept. They're very inept. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Most most of them can't get themselves out of a wet paper bag. So I'm not uh, (laughs) not too worried about it. (laughs) That's pretty bad.
1: A wet paper bag. That's good because that's extra terrible, isn't it? Yeah. You got easier than a dry one. Not that it's hard to break out of a dry (laughs) one. Paperback, anyways, go ahead. Well, you got
0: you got dictator newsome you gotta deal with, man. I feel I don't even live there yes. anymore.
1: I've heard this it's one. Hard, new Newsolini, new
0: <laughs> dude. How is that guy not being thrown out on his ass for being a hypocrite and stoned with all the other violence and protests that's going on in the world? How is nobody at that guy's front door being like, Hey man, wanna come talk to us? <laughs> hey, can I be here? Hey. I think he's
1: smart enough not to trust his uh, his average citizen. He's kind of like Joffrey from Game of Thrones, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he's highly protected behind his his uh, ivory walls or whatever it's called, his ivory tower, sure. and uh, um, you know, goes to his French Laundry restaurant with his his uh, his cohorts and uh, partners in crime and all that shit and. He makes sure he stays away. He does his his press conferences, you know, in a in a room where only he's in there and the cameraman, you know. Because uh, of COVID, he yeah. doesn't need to see us uh, in person, right? It's bad. it's bad for it's. It, he might be killing people. He might be spreading it. If he's he still sees there. Us in person. Yeah, I am here. Can you hear us? Can you hear me?
0: Hello? Yeah, you cut out for just a just a second, but uh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll work through it. Okay. We'll improvise. Okay, we'll work through it. Anyways, yeah. No, I mean. I think he's
1: just, uh, um, I think he knows better. And I, there's a, a petition to sign to uh, recall him. But um, the problem with recalling somebody, we did it in this state back in 2002, I believe. Yeah, 2002, maybe. Or maybe it was 2000. 2002, must have been. We recalled Governor Gray Davis and replaced him with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right. And that's the key. And that's the key. Arnold Schwarzenegger led the charge of the recall. He called out Governor Gray Davis for his deficiencies and his bullshit. Everybody was unified in the state for their disdain for this guy. He's just a fucking a wet rag politician. Just useless. Okay. And uh, um, we had that Enron controversy with the blackouts they were they were uh, running up energy um futures or some shit in our state and through some financial wizardry uh um in the public markets or some shit
0: they had a little uh, accounting uh, blip we got bid out
1: <laughs> yeah we got bid out and i think a lot of it had to do with gray davis he was in on that that scheme he was getting kickbacks i imagine because why else would he have tolerated it for so long
0: yeah mm.
1: And anyway, so he got the boot. uh, uh, But the point is, it was led by somebody, a viable replacement. We don't have that. We don't have an Arnold Schwarzenegger or or anybody who's leading this charge to recall him that says, I will be governor. And here's what I'm going to do when I take over. There's no vision beyond just getting him out of there. And that's why it's not catching any traction. And uh, so that's that's the problem with the, the, the thing to recall. Governor Newsom. The other one is we live in a one party system in this state and they've monopolized democracy here. So democracy doesn't exist at all. And uh, so, yeah, your vote doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Democratic cartel, the Pelosi, San Francisco political cartel, they own it. They own the state now and they ain't ever giving it up
0: yeah it's bought and paid for
1: because yeah you know newsom is is nancy pelosi's nephew right i did hear
0: that yeah it's not the yeah, yeah i was i kind of been meaning to. it's such a simple thing to fact check google or maybe <laughs> maybe he's
1: not i just heard that many times maybe he's not maybe people are full of shit
0: I oh i i thought you'd already checked that no i uh
1: I I didn't check. I haven't fact, check, fact checked.
0: I that, heard the same you know, thing. Well, we'll have to fact check that and, and get back to anybody listening. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, Maybe
1: maybe maybe people are full of shit and, and everything. Yeah. And uh, anything they all, no doubt, many people are full of shit. Myself included, from time to time, uh, to my chagrin, to my to my shocking chagrin. Like right now, I might get caught because i was going off the word of people i thought were reliable um and i think we're all guilty of that as human beings because i'm just a regular dude whose job is not to be a political scientist or, or analyst or commentator or anything like that so when it comes to this shit i'm just going off of anything i can glean from the media and alternative sources collective, collectively and uh, um you know and i sometimes i do back checks sometimes i don't right the Gavin knew something whether or not he he's the real nephew of Nancy Pelosi. I don't know. I think it would be kind of a weird outrageous claim to make for multiple people that are un uh not not linked to to uh to make with it not being true. I think that would be kind of bizarre. And uh, so I think it's probably true. Yeah. But- that's why I stated it like
0: he is. It, but. And it's it's so hard to check everything in today's day and age. You know what I mean? Especially with um, that just the ease and access of information, the amount of information, the amount of information on social media, and and uh, everybody's attention span. How can you? How can you fact check everything? You know what I mean? Like, who has the time in their day to look into all these things when it's like you said? Well, you're getting, huh? you're getting a lot of fake facts checking too. I yeah go ahead sorry no 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 you're fine I kind of lost my train of thought but I I was just going to say you you mentioned earlier something about you're not a you know you're not a professional politician or or a politician or whatever that's not your thing and and even somebody that wants to follow it anymore it's just you kind of just you almost not to sound like a conspiracy theorist but you almost have to look into everything yourself it's, it's like there's so much, you there's do. so much BS. But who has time for that, dude? Who has time to sit and look at every little fucking thing with food? We're, we're food. eating. What's going on with the environment? What's this governor doing? What's yeah. this state doing? And then for some some degree, it's like, who cares? Do you live there? Why do you care? Why do I care what Gavin Newsom's doing? Yeah. I don't live in California anymore, but it still pisses me off. So,
1: no, I mean, uh, you're right. You know, most of us don't have time. Most of us don't have time to do this shit. You know, to to. To get caught up and we rely on what we hear from the media. So we can, we can touch in and touch and go with it. And you're just kind of like, Hey, okay, what's going on? Okay, thanks. Let me get the bullet points. And then you go on with your day. And it's, it's extremely disturbing to find out that those bullet points are highly misconstrued to manipulate the population. The mainstream media has turned into an American version of Pravda, essentially. It can no longer be trusted. They're all unified in their agenda to push um, what they want and the ideas and and the movements that they want. And there is no room for uh, alternative facts, as they say. (laughs) You know, and uh, it's like, oh, OK. And it's just it, 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 it's it's a sad time that we're we're at this part. It's a difficult time. And I think the average American, we're, we're, we're getting it from every angle, some social media, from your news, from 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 uh, radio, from this and that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What what's what what do I believe? And I think most of them just tune out if they stop believing one source that's so super legitimate, you just tune out, you move on with your day, I think. And, uh, that's sad. You know, I, I noticed, you know, your previous, uh, pod, uh, your previous thing that you released uh, on your podcast, um, the previous two, I think was one about, you don't think this, this election is the end of the world, which I don't think so either. You know, um, and the second one was you were annoyed that your professor who sounded drunk was trying to compel his students to go out and vote, right? And I could break that down, too. It's like, well, he's telling people to go out and vote for Joe Biden or Democrats, right? <laughs> That's Anybody tells you to, tells a stranger to go out and vote, it most likely means that. Not always. But uh, because the, the media is so monopolized and one-sided, And, uh, you know, if 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 you were somebody who wasn't thinking about voting, but, oh, you persuaded me, you know, you're probably going to go with whatever the mass propaganda is pushing on you is what they're betting on. And so it's a safe bet. They think so they think. Mm -hmm. But I I actually give most human beings, not just Americans, especially Americans, actually, but most human beings more credit than that, I think most people. If they choose to vote, they take it as a serious responsibility, and they actually do their homework. That's what I believe. You know, the moment they don't. Hey, hey, you know, happened again.
0: Yeah, I think this thing might be pretty fickle about the Wi-Fi connection because I I lost you at um we're talking about voting, professor, and uh, the last thing you said was someone wasn't thinking about voting. I don't know if you could pick up. Pick up from there or not? I guess I should.
1: I can't. You think it's my Wi-Fi is at full bars. And my my reception is too. It,
0: um, it it could be my end. I'm downstairs, so further from the router. Probably not the best Wi-Fi. But uh, it also might have been big government shutting us down. <laughs> shut us down. Very well. Could shut us down. <laughs> you don't have a voice.
1: <laughs> my goodness, what is going on with my phone here? It's like okay. Here we go. How about now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Fuck. I can barely hear
0: you You're whisper. Like a whisper. Can you hear me any better now? No. You're still faint. Let me, uh, but you want me to try uh, reconnecting it? Send you another link? I
1: guess so. It, it rejected my last reconnection. Then I had to do it again. Now we're talking. But um, let's go for it.
0: Yeah, let me. Here. It's a, huh?
1: it, it starts like this. It starts like this. And then you it, like, it starts like this, like a, for the first few seconds where you're kind of faint and then suddenly you become, um, serviceable with your, with your, uh, volume
0: level. Huh. Is this any better? I it's fine. We'll make it work. It's fine. We'll make it work. Okay. Uh, um, I'll have to do some editing. And again, this is a, a trial process until I got the, the salary to cut Greg a check and have them fly out here because I know it's gonna cost cost me money to get you to come visit. So <laughs> certainly during the winter, you kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a hot tub too, the steam room. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Somebody in a cold climate. Some people like it, man. Some people not so much. And I remember you telling me, you're like, hey man, when you move out there, I, I'm probably not gonna come visit. I remember you distinctly saying that, so yeah,
1: you know, I, I don't like the climate, and I'm starting not to like the political climate there either, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's all about the cold weather, though. I I You know, I go there for the summer for sure, and um, you don't fly fish. I do, but I don't have any fly fishing gear. I was raised fly fishing, so I really enjoy it when the opportunity comes, and I just know from reputation in that movie, The River Runs Through It, that uh, fly fishing is pretty big in Montana. It's pretty pretty awesome. So that'd be something I'd, you could coax me out to do during the summer up there for sure. What kind of... Uh, what kind of um, airport? Do you have an airport in Missoula?
0: Yeah, of course. We got a pretty big airport. And actually this is all hearsay. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't uh, say too much on it. One, cause I really just don't know. And it's all hearsay, but I heard they're expanding the airport and um, something like some kind of like a Netflix studio or some kind of studios moving out here. Um, so I imagine Missoula is going to get pretty popular here in the near future. Not only that, a lot of people fleeing these other uh, big metropolitan cities like in uh, like in Washington and California. They're moving out here. Properties getting taken up pretty fit.
1: A lot of people are moving up up to Idaho too lately. I think there's a mass exodus out of California. Yeah. Maybe Seattle too. You know, and a lot of that could be covid driven and I think a lot of it's clearly political politically driven the political climate like I said is getting ridiculous in this state. And I told you that story where I got uh yelled at and the cops called on me. my brother and I for smoking a cigar while we were walking down the street. Yeah. yeah. On a public street outside. Yeah. Say goodbye to him. It's like, are we living in America? It... Uh, or are we in the, are we in the CC, you know, China, you know, communist China. Is this communist Russia? used to. That's what they used to what they said back in the 80s. This isn't communist Russia. It's communist China. Now it's communist China. That's what we have to say. It could say North Korea, too, I suppose. What are we living in, North Korea? You know, that would work. Because they're far more extreme. But, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's happening. And I think that's why, um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> you have a, a mass exodus out of these blue states because of how poorly they're run governmentally wise. And the politics have, have gotten so um, rapacious um, that it, it's just the people who can do. And what I mean that they, if the people who can leave, do leave people who can't, they're stuck there. Yeah. They're stuck. They can't afford it. They don't have the means to get up and move. You know, they're dependent on that one job they've got and, and uh, it is what it is. And they just, they're, they're stuck. They're stuck being whipped for these fucking new slave owners. Yeah. It's fucked up. And the wealthy who came over here, and most of them are the ones who contributed to the, to the ruination of these states. uh, They go over like locusts and they do it to another state. It's fucked up. You know, (laughs) and um, it's just, I don't know. It's also kind of the dismal tide of a comfortable society. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is just kind of what occurs. I, I draw a lot of similes between the United States of America and ancient Rome. And um, <clears throat> one thing I can say is uh, uh, most historians agree that the fall of Rome. Could be attributed because it imploded. It was from within. It wasn't some. I mean, you could talk about the Visigoths and the Vandals or whatever that came through and, and sacked Rome or whatever. Um, but uh, the the decay had started well before that shit. And um, most of them, <clears throat> excuse me for the for the gleeking. What's that? Gleeking, the, the spitting. Uh when I very smoke a cigar, I can't, I, it's a thing I do. I like to spit out the saliva cause I don't want to keep the, the nicotine saliva in my tongue. I think it's better. The, I could get into a lot of things about that whole, the health of, of smoking a cigar and not smoking a cigar, but, um, back to ancient Rome. Um, but what they chalk it up to the decay and what allowed the ancient Rome to, to collapse, to implode, to rot, and be vulnerable to the outside, Vandals and Visigoths and whoever, to just easily sack their cities, was uh, uh, the culture. The culture crumbled. And the culture uh, could be, the culture's crumble could be easily um, sized up with <laughs> that the average Roman citizen, the average Roman yeah, average Roman citizen will say, um, f- forgot what it meant or didn't know what it meant to be Roman anymore. The Roman values that made Rome so great, that built it up to be the, the biggest, the only to this day, the only civilization to have conquered and controlled the entire Mediterranean Sea and all of its coastlines. Right uh, to this day, still is. Nobody's done that other than ancient Rome. Um, and of course, it went beyond, you know, it reached out to Asia Minor and, and Illyrica, Illyria, Illyrium and, and uh, um, uh, the Britannia, the, the islands of Brittany, you know. Right. Um, all the, the, the values that that made that country great were forgotten. That society, that 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 empire, if you will, it, it was forgotten. It was forgotten. They didn't know what it meant to be Roman anymore. The stoicism, the great lessons for the Stoics the Stoic philosophers were lost. They were they were disregarded. They were discredited. And uh
0: you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It just is interesting, you know. And some of that stuff's kinda you coming kinda back that. around, at least in uh I see it in people's you know their Instagram posts it's kind of funny they're they're bringing up these old philosophies on how to uh how to live a happy life and i I don't know this might be the Moscow meal talking but i I think life is a lot simpler than we all make it, but we end up chasing all this bullshit that we think we want or need and kind of uh get ourselves in this complicated mess like you know debt or uh <laughs> or um the quote unquote, flexing, you know, like, look at, look at my car, look at my house, look at my pool, whatever. No flex zone. No, man. no, no flex zone. No flex zone. Yeah. You <laughs> live, you live in PG, man. That's racist. You don't got to, you don't got uh, to flex. You just, you just, uh, go walking along the, the coast there. Enjoy your day. Yeah. With my big ass cock <laughs> flopping from the,
1: my knees and people get the picture. They understand.
0: Flop it on by uh, Clint Eastwood's house. What's up, motherfucker?
1: <laughs> I don't think he's been here in years, Clint Eastwood. Since the divorce, maybe he has. I don't know. Uh, I mean, this is his most beloved area. I know that much. It wasn't he mayor of uh, Carmel
0: he's... for a while, not recently, but years. Yeah, years in the eighties,
1: he, he was the mayor of Carmel. Yeah, hmm. yeah.
0: Is he? Uh... Where? Where's yeah. his other place of residence? Oh, I think he 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 works
1: a lot. So whenever he's working, he's down in L.A. Huh. That's where I've thought and i think he shoots a lot on location so like richard jewell this latest film i think it came out which is excellent i advise or i i would not advise i i would recommend um everyone to watch that. anyone to watch that movie is excellent uh but that's that happened in atlanta it was clearly filmed in atlanta you know and atlanta's kind of turned into the new hollywood by the way huh. And that's largely because of the political climate. The government is giving incentives to the, to the film industry where California and the LA County and all that shit has been extremely um, they've been strangling you know, business in, in the film industry I think, to where it's like it's just not so practical anymore to film here. If I have to if I'm filming in a studio anyway say, you know, it doesn't really matter but you know The film industry has become so wealthy that they are able to film on location so often that, you know, if they have River Runs Through It, I brought that up. That was filmed up on location in Montana. So whatever Montana was offering Robert Redford to make that movie, he took. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they gave gave him, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Incentives, we'll just call it. I can't think of it right now there's tax stuff or whatever they give per diem or something shit not per diem is that what you're thinking of no not per diem that's a military term you fuck no uh there's a A government term that you know they give it they give it to uh, um like people who buy electric cars the government will give them uh extra payment for for doing that like you're helping out the environment you know kind of shit like that and that also happens subsidy subsidy yeah I think they gave probably Robert Redford subsidies to, to, to so that he was actually paid a little bit to help him with the expenses to film it there. Could be crazy, could be wrong, but I mean it definitely helped the local commerce having a film crew needing to to live there for the 3 months they filmed it or however right. long it took. You know, they have to be fed, they have to be launched. you know, they're using electricity. So they're using that states' you know and they're spending money there so the gov you know the government might incentivize and say hey and I know that's exactly what the state of Georgia did uh, you know a, a decade ago or more a decade and a half ago or whatever when this great um, movement where Hollywood and filmmaking started to come to Atlanta is, is precisely because of that because uh, the state of Georgia was is literally incentivizing and giving subsidies to, to, to film to the film industry to start doing shit over there you know mm-hmm. but no anyway so i don't know where Clint is Is the base is, is the base, is the is the crux of it. i've never seen him my mom when she first moved here uh 10 years ago uh she had seen him um a couple times in carmel walking around I'd, I'd imagine that's his home base, and I don't know. Again, I I, I don't really care. Just... Well, I, I I I have seen him. Well I've seen Clenius here, but it's it's because of the pro am, uh... you know, at Pebble Beach.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> Every time I've seen Clinius, it's because he was there, and he was like, you know, he was playing, he was playing around for the celebrity portion of the pro am, and, and then he awards the trophy at the end of the pro am.
0: You, <laughs> you remember when the the year that I was there for that and. uh, you were you were pretty drunk and you had your name badge on. you remember what you said? <laughs> naturally, naturally. <I> was. <laughs> do you remember what you said?
1: I I do because you made a big deal out of it. Later, I found out. I don't remember saying it, but I remember you telling
0: me about it. But you go ahead and tell me. I just I thought it was hilarious. Cause, well, one, backtrack really quick and then I'll get to it. Other thing that I missed, I don't remember where I was or why I was, if it was you and I, Together And we came back and Vince and Lauren were kind of doing their own thing. But Vince was uh, trying to get a hold of Bill Murray to say, um, hey, Bill, can, can I get a picture of, of you and my wife? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he just walks off. <laughs> Classic Bill Murray. Um, but no, you had the you had the badge. The, or not the name badge. Everybody has one. Everybody there has it. You just had to have it to get in. It's yeah. It's just the, the yeah, tickets. It's your, yeah, it's your, your, it's ticket your pass. Bill. It's on. It's, on a it's your pass. Stupid lanyard to... around your neck. But we're walking in, and Vince is kind of like, "Hey man, ca- calm down a little bit. We gotta go." Or I think I was the sober one, so I was like, "Hey, calm down. A little bit. We gotta walk back to security." And you go, "No, no. You see this, and you hold up your lanyard. This is a badge. It says like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And just, <laughs> you just walk through." <laughs> That's what happens.
1: It's in, it's infectious around here. You become this rich prick who feels like you you can do anything you want, you know, over the over the head, <laughs> you know. They can't tell you what to do. I'm a rich guy, you know. And that's kind of the mentality you get when you when you're when you're at the pro am in Pebble Beach, and you're and you're wearing your fucking uh bougie fucking golf attire or whatever you're wearing, you know. And uh, you start you feel it coming up on you, you know. You're you're better than the rest of us. Indubitable. Yeah. You can tell a security guard that, "Hey, I I I own this fight. You know who I am. You know, kind of a fucking
0: attitude." Yeah, it's awful. It's That's my fucking yacht out there, pal. <laughs> you see that yacht? That's mine. You want to be aboard of it? Never. Sorry, out. The one, no. the one that says "Shell" on the no. back of it. Yeah, it's my dad's. <laughs> That's right. Man. No. The-
1: you don't want to be my dad. No, I, I mean, a lot of it's dad, actually. I, You know, I I haven't actually made, I haven't made any inroads with the the Rich Prick Society over here, even though I, I, I play a pretty good rich prick when I want to. I just never have. And uh, I don't know what it is. I think I'm just, you know what it is? I'm too authentic. I hate to say this about myself because that makes me feel like a phony right now, but I do know that to my core, that's the one thing um, that as an adult, I got super grossed out by is just being a phony. I don't care what I am. I just want to be real. I want to know where I stand. I know I want to know who I am and uh, I don't want to lie to people or anything like that. So authenticity is a prime uh, uh, principle to who I am. And so uh, it grosses me out to act yeah. phony, so to speak. And It just does. You know, Maybe if I played it up a little more, oh, my gosh, maybe I would. Because it, it, it is interesting. I, I do feel like the super rich, because they're up in this echelon, where we can't reach the average person can't reach they are kind of socially inept especially if they were born into mm-hmm. it right if you're this brilliant genius guy who made it then then of course not you you, you i mean you had to do it yourself you, you've been through the real world you've seen all of the walks of life but if you're a rich guy you know you haven't you haven't really experienced the real world and real people as they as they are as themselves most people are um, you know, uh, they're the ones who pamper yeah. you. You know, because they're trying to get something yeah. from you.
0: Nice, no, you know. I that.
1: And so, I do think there there is a, a vast majority of the of the upper class in any society, and they are kind of socially um, backward or or behind or, or unawares, and they could be easily duped by a phony fucking person. Where someone like you and me. Uh, who come from, you know, more humble beginnings. We're not rich, you know, and we've had our downtrodden times, I'm sure, and all that shit, mm-hmm. and we've seen everything, not everything, but mo- a lot of things that we, we, we know a bullshitter when we see one. We see somebody who's full of shit, who's playing it up, and we can smell it, and it grosses us out, yeah. you know? We're a rich prick who was born into it. You know, they don't know anything else than that. They just know this person's buttering their biscuit for them and it feels nice, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I could see that. And, um, there's not to get through it. And they're appalled the few times that somebody, you know, shoves it in their face, so
0: to speak. Yeah. You
1: know, they, they can't handle
0: it. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole talking about rich people. But when I lived in, um, in. Oh, I wish I aspired to be a rich person. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But no, um. Now, when I lived in Orange for a little over a year, you're just kind of closer to Newport Beach and a lot of, uh, just it seems like a lot of old money, man. Like I felt like that was the one place where I just felt like I do not fit in here, you know, where living in Sacramento, San Diego, you know, I'm like, Hey, I, I have everything I want. I've got, I don't have a brand new fancy car, but I've got my foreigner that does just fine. And I've got my Harleys and stuff like that, that I like, I paid cash for, but then I remember moving to Orange and that was the only time I ever felt compelled enough that I was like, I got to get rid of this Forerunner. ended up buying that Cadillac, the CTSV, and I was just like, dude, this car is not me at all. Um, It was just kind of... Was- of course not. You're a, you're a fucking hillbilly, <laughs> you know? But not a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> but not a snitch. I have seen. Oh, man. the eyes
1: torn out. (laughs) Lambs ripped off. Whatever he says.
0: That's a... I gotta watch... Younger than knees, man. Younger than (laughs) I gotta watch that one soon. That's uh, a... Scent of a woman. I have seen... I could
1: (laughs) see, you know... If I were the man I wore 30 years ago, I'd take a flame throw to this place. (laughs) What a great scene. You know, that was a a time... That movie, I think, was made in... Or released, at least, in 93... (laughs) I think it was 93. It was
0: late 80s, early 90s, yeah, somewhere around
1: there. No, it was, it was 92 yeah. or 93. I know this, Right. And uh, it's Al Pacino's sole Oscar victory. It's the only time he's been awarded Is that right? Oscar, the Academy Award. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He's been nominated many times, but that's the only time he actually won it. And um, um, people like my brother say, he's the same dude in every fake movie, you know, whatever. Like, Al Pacino's a fantastic actor. In my mind, and you do have to take into account what he did when he was younger. Dog Day Afternoon, and and uh, uh, n- what's it called? Pa- Need it? Needle uh, Panic and Needle Park, I think. Before he did The Godfather, then of course The Godfather itself. I mean, he had a great range in, in characters, and today he he is more or less this character actor that is Al Pacino with the gruff voice and the you know ooh, you know <laughs> hoo-ha, hoo-ha. but uh, yeah. You know, you know, I think that that was the 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 role that people think of that he is today because that was the role that that won the award or whatever. But I mean, it is a fucking beautiful film, and it's a, like most coming of age films are. It touches the heart of everybody. We can all resonate with the um, coming of age story of wherever it is or wherever it's coming from, if it's done true. Yeah, you know and uh because we all have to go through that shit we all have to come of age and and realize our standing and and and
0: understand the world better and on the and that movie is fucking fantastic and on the flip side i I need to watch that one again soon but on the flip side you have uh, al pacino's character who's ready to basically check out of the world and he kinds of he kind of finds a new purpose after you know he's a career military guy, but he finds his new purpose or his new mission in helping this young kid. It's kind of what brings him back to life. Is kinda of how I take that movie. You know, I actually I look at that
1: and that final scene, the one the great speech at the end that you're talking about, you know, that you you, you quoted earlier. You know, I'm not a snitch. Bad man. What is you a know, bad man? Tell you what, kick this bad young man you bad bombs. <laughs> I actually use that line, and instead of saying baird, I use bad.
0: <laughs> he's a bad man. Well, what's up? I'm a bad man, whatever. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds like it's George Thorgett's uh, song. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Bad to the bone, yeah. right? Anyway. Mm. Now th- but, you know, I look at that that speech and what he, what he attacks and the virtues he espouses in that speech – And it's like, holy fuck. That movie and that speech nails one of the great cancers in our culture, especially among the elite that we're suffering from in our country right now. And we're seeing it play out, you know, beyond politics, you know, too. It's not just politics. I mean, it's most obvious in politics, but. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like there used to be a time that the aristocrats were the highest of character people in a society. I mean, they're the ones who invented chivalry and and uh, um, and uh, uh, taught it down to the poor or the, the lower classes, if you will. And it was something to espouse to be was someone of high character to be someone like who would be that aristocratic type, that knight, that lord, and it's been turned on its head. And I guess that's kind of a, a, again, that's kind of a signal that the end is near, because that's exactly the same in Rome. The Rome, the aristocrats, they were the Stoics. It wasn't the slaves, you know, the slaves maybe uh, um, learned from those musings and those ideas and those thoughts and those actions. And, and they were in a position of course, where they had to be stoic. They had to have a stiff upper lip because if you were to speak up, you would be slapped down or whipped or whatever, but to, to do it from a place of comfort, if you will. And that's, that's your place. I mean, and to understand that, I mean, that's, that's something exceptional. And, uh, um, and that's what helps drive a society, because these are the ones the aristocracy uh, help are an intricate part to to driving a society forward in a healthy manner. It's both. It's you you got to have them all in unison. It's a balance, you know, the upper class, the middle class, the lower class, all that shit. And you want to do away with the class system. OK, whatever. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I, you know, middle class, I, it, whatever um it can get really weird and, and complicated, but for some reason, us human beings we have a hierarchical system and that's what's kind of embedded in our nature when we when we gather as groups, we decide who who do we respect more than others and it's usually based on um, achievements, uh, standing, position and character and some of those things are well earned and some of them aren't tragically but, the end result is always we do have a a higher hierarchical tiered system, whatever, whatever, whenever we get into groups, it could be your your uh, high school clique, you know, junior high high school clique, it could be your your community, your little neighborhood, it could be this this entire country. It's undeniable, and it's and it and it and it doesn't change in a communistic society either. Right. You still have your top dogs. You, you still have your Joe Stalins. You know, and and, uh, um, and and your and your and your Kim Jong Ils and and all that shit, and uh, that doesn't go away. Even if you were to somehow make it so everybody was equal from even the leadership, it's still like there's something fucked up there, uh, where to have somebody where you say you are our leader who is going to make the big decisions for us or help us make the, and lead us exactly or advise us to the big decisions, there's still an elevated, um, level of respect for that individual, i.e. A, a different hierarchy. You know, they're, they're, they're vaulted up in that sense. So I think that's one thing that you, you do kind of have to understand about human nature and, and, and human societies in general, Is we are a hi- hierarchical species and peoples and you kind of have to accept that and so what you would want is everybody to buy in to an ethos of high character that uh, is most beneficial